Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 225 and we're talking about accommodation. That's right. We are indeed. Well, what have we been up to this week? The short answer, I guess, is not that much. Oh, come on. I've been working. You've been working. We've been working. That's what we've been doing. We've been working. So much fun. And we did go down to Kaiawa for the first time ever to see some friends. Yes, and you know what we did? We went to see the Outdoor Summer Shakespeare, which was awesome. That was good. When I knew I'd come back to New Zealand, I said, right, on one condition. That why I didn't actually say that. But it it kind of went through my head that I really, really, really want to go and see the Outdoor Summer Shakespeare because I think Shakespeare is, is great when you see it outside. And I've never been to the Pump House, which is where it was being held over in Takapuna, which is on the north shore of Auckland. It was my first time and it was really good. Mm, yeah, it's a good little setup there. Um, and we've also run into unusual bureaucratic issues. I mean, who would have thought if you're dealing with a government agency that you'd run into bureaucratic problems? I'm, I'm feeling rather annoyed at, at the moment because I'm trying to get a working holiday visa for Spain. And it's just a lot more difficult than I thought. I got all the, lot, the little bits of paper. So I had to get proof of funds. I had to get a doctor's certificate and I had to get... Um, like all sorts of little bits and pieces. I had to print out something from the bank and I had to get the... Your police report. Police report, that was the other one. There's all these other things. Like I have about eight pages that I needed. And so I rang up the, the consulate to see if I could come in on Friday and they didn't answer, they didn't answer, they didn't answer. So I didn't go. So I rang up today, still no answer. So I just went over there over to Devonport, which is on the North Shore as well. And there was no one there. In fact, there was a little sign in Spanish saying, we've moved to Wellington. Which can't be true because the consulate is in Wellington. So the honorary consulate can't have moved to Wellington. What basically means is, oh, look, there's actually no consulate in Auckland. So I don't know what to do now because I'm supposed to hand it in in person. And I'm definitely not going to Wellington to do it. <laughs> so, yes. It's only eight hours in the car each way. I could just do a weekend road trip. <laughs> you can't see this, but I've got my unimpressed look on. <laughs> so, so unimpressed. The Indie Travel Podcast is all about independent travel, but sometimes it just makes sense to do a tour. They can take you beyond your comfort zone, give you fresh insight into something you've seen, or save you money by bundling transport, a guide, and experiences all into one package. So we do urban adventure day tours as we travel, and that helps us get the inside scoop from local guides. You can explore over 100 cities and book online at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash tours. And during February this year, use the code INDIETRAVEL to get 15% off on checkout. That's I-N-D-I-E, travel, all one word, and get 15% off any booking at Urban Adventures in February. Yeah, it's really worth looking into because they've done some. we've done some really good tours with them. Uh, yeah, they've been fun. Well, today we're going to be looking at accommodation. Uh, accommodation is one of the big ways that you can save money while you're traveling independently. And... Um, when you're heading out on the road, you might be a bit overwhelmed about where to go, where to stay, and where to sleep. I mean, it's kind of overwhelming. There's so yeah. many options. And there sure are a lot of options around accommodation. It is, like you said, somewhere you can save a lot. It's also somewhere you can splurge a lot. Yeah, it's true. But uh, it's, it's amazing what effect where you stay can have on your impressions of a place. Definitely. I know we've stayed in some, some really friendly places, which have really helped shape our our experience of the city. I wonder if that's why we don't like Paris very much. Maybe, because accommodation there is typically 
it was expensive really and hard difficult to, come by. to get to. And, yeah. It was hard to come by at any price range. And it was expensive when you did find it. And, yeah, we've, we stayed there twice, once in this dodgy little hotel, and once we had an apartment rental, which was quite nice, but quite far away. And we had a car, and so we had to drive in. Ah, mission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be it. That might be it. Well, we're going to crank through these roughly in price order. So we're going to start with the cheapest, roughing it, <laughs> and then uh, move up to the, the most expensive of hotels and resorts. Cruise ships would be probably the most expensive. Oh, I don't know. They can they can work out sometimes. Yeah, maybe. Well, anyway, roughing it. Roughing it is the cheapest way. In fact, usually you tend not to pay anything. However, you you really get what you pay for. In fact, you get nothing because you're not getting any amenities when you're sleeping in the airport or on a beach or in the wilderness or anywhere you don't have a bed, basically. Yeah. While it's probably not going to be your preferred way to sleep, if you're doing an extended trip, you'll probably end up doing an overnight kip in a bus station or in an airport at some point. Or uh, if you are very, very budget conscious, you might end up just sleeping outside in a quiet point at the beach. Yeah, lots of people we've talked to prefer to, to travel like this because they can save a lot of money doing it. They make sure to judge the place that they're in according to the safety levels. And they wouldn't, do, they wouldn't do it somewhere dodgy. If you are planning on sleeping in airports, make sure to check whether the airport is open because some airports close. My dad was planning on just hanging out one, one evening. He had, I don't know, like eight hours before his flight the next morning. And I think he arrived at 10 o'clock and was just going to, you know, just hang out in the airport. Not sleep, but just kind of doze. But uh, the airport closed at 10 p.m. So he couldn't do that. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Not something that you really expect, is it? Have an international airport that, that closes overnight, but they still do exist. Yeah, and you couldn't even hang out outside because they brought the cops around to make sure that there was no one yeah. no one hanging out outside. <laughs> yeah. It was rather unfortunate. Sure was. Well, whenever you are choosing to, uh, to, to rough it, be careful about where you're going to be and do take care of basic safety measures i mean basically anywhere in an urban space is going to be dangerous yeah that's right and make sure that you have a sleeping bag because you know you don't want to freeze to death either yeah yeah good point well a little bit uh, more upscale is uh being a guest with a family member a friend or maybe a friend of a friend yeah i think staying as guests can be a great way to travel because you get to hang out with people maybe your family maybe your friends or maybe you get to meet someone you've never met before um, it can save you a lot of money, but it might not as well, because it's important to consider that when you're a, when you're a guest, you should really buy a gift for your host and maybe take them out for, for a meal if you can, and not at McDonald's. <laughs> no, not at McDonald's. You want them to think fondly of you. <laughs> also, remember to be polite and don't spread your stuff out all over the house. Yeah, it's kind of... I find this difficult. Linda's quite good at staying compressed and keeping her stuff mainly in her bag, mm -hmm. but I tend to kind of spread out over all available spaces yeah and all available rooms <laughs> yep. everywhere when it's time to leave somewhere we have to look in the kitchen in the lounge in the bathroom in the bedroom we're sleeping <laughs> it just kind of takes things places and leaves them behind i do that too but i don't think anywhere near to the same extent no no i find that quite difficult remembering to to try and stay compact and try and let my hosts kind of live their life without running into my stuff yeah the same goes for couch surfing, which is our next accommodation option. It's very similar to staying with friends and family, except that you don't actually know the people you're staying with. So you join couchsurfing.com or hospitalityclub.com 
and you make a profile, just like on Facebook, and then you can search for people to stay with. So they're hosts who have said, yeah, I've got a room available or a couch available. Then you send them an email and hopefully they will offer you a place to stay. So you don't know these people, they don't know you, but they've seen your profile and you've seen theirs and hopefully something in there has built a connection between the two of you. Yeah, couch surfing and the other travellers' social networks like that are really quite special. You get to, to stay with local residents and you often get a really good insight into kind of local life and, and what goes on locally. I love couch surfing and we didn't couch surf for the first three years of our travel. And then Yeah, we we're pretty apprehensive about it. We knew it existed but it just seemed weird. Yeah, but now we love it and it's it's how we travel. And I think it's so much better than staying in a hotel or a hostel because you've got the connection with locals. The, I mean, saving money thing is good, but again, you might not save that much because you end up taking your host out for dinner or, you know, they might say, come on, let's go out and we'll go to this event or we'll go drinking or whatever. And you end up, you know, splurging your, what would have been your accommodation budget on a good night out. And so you don't lose, you definitely don't lose, but you don't save. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd rather be spending my money on experiences than a place to sleep. But yeah, don't don't expect it to be free when you're running your budgets. Yeah. I guess that's the that's a balancing act. Yeah, we've talked to quite a lot of couch serving hosts who found it a bit, I don't know, uncomfortable when people came to stay and they were obviously on a budget and they didn't, you know, they just kind of ate the food that the host gave them and didn't offer anything back. I think the most important thing to consider is that you're a guest in these people's house. How would you feel if people came and just kind of scrounged off you mm. yeah definitely well we've got some advice on site for couch surfing um staying safe while you're on the couch surfing network and being a good host and being a good guest so you can come to indietravelpodcast.com and search for that another way to have accommodation on the road is to take your home with you uh so by this we mean a, a camper van or a caravan or something like that so the benefit of taking your home with you is that you have freedom to stop wherever you want to. You can sleep at a beach, beside a river, in a supermarket car park, if you're feeling a bit up for it, I don't know. <laughs> of course, there are holiday parks where you can power up and take a shower, and some people will choose to stay at one of these every night of the trip. It's not my favourite. Preferably, I like to stay in dock campsites, which in New Zealand are run by the Department of Conservation, which are very, very basic, basic, basic campsites, very cheap. They just have running water and some sort of toilet and you're always in the middle of nature usually somewhere really beautiful and of course you don't have any facilities but it just feels awesome to be away from it all it does make sure whenever you're camping um either by by tent or camper van or just in the back of a car that you're aware of whatever the local bylaws are yeah um in places that have a lot of tourism these laws are more likely to be more strictly enforced and uh, places which have next to no tourism are more likely to treat you with kind of incredulity or interest. But yeah. um, be aware of whatever the local bylaws are about um, about camping or sleeping overnight in areas. Yeah, in most areas of New Zealand, you can't just park your camper van wherever you want, mm. which is a pity because you used to be able to. But a lot of tourists totally abused that right and like, left their toilet waste just on the side of the road and it was really disgusting. So, of course, the councillors don't want to clean this up. So they make new bylaws, and they they stop everyone from being able to do that. Yeah, I Thanks, think guys. I think it's typical. Whenever you get more people doing something, you have to start kind of enforcing it and putting rules around it. Yeah, it's true. 
Well, if you're traveling in uh, Aussie, New Zealand, or in the UK, there's the uh, the spaceship camper vans, which we've used a lot and uh, mentioned before on the show. They're kind of a, a mini camper van, uh, the Swiss Army knife of camper vans, <laughs> if you will. Um, there's sleeping space for two people. There's a fridge, a DVD player, all the stuff you need for cooking. Um, but it all comes in the size of a people mover. Yeah, so, so it's, it's really easy to drive. More like driving a car than driving a, a truck. Yeah, and it fits in a regular parking space in the supermarket, <laughs> yeah, which is a big deal. A it's a real big deal. I don't want to have to find a double space or anything like that. <laughs> Well, if you check out uh, com slash accommodation, we'll have links to those sites for uh, for New Zealand, Aussie and Europe. Okay, well, let's move on to the more traditional ways of uh, of sleeping. <laughs> In a bed. In a bed. On the floor. <laughs> <laughs> the more traditional ways of sleeping while traveling, I'd say. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, People I always... sleep while they travel? Sometimes. Wow. Yeah, apparently. So I think one of the most well-known ways of, well, places to sleep is in a hostel dorm, which uh, has its positive and negative aspects. The positives are that it's cheap. In fact, it's usually a lot cheaper than uh, a hotel. The negatives, you're sharing. (laughs) You're sharing a room with people. So that means you're sharing with whatever people end up in your dorm. They might not have the greatest respect for you or for your belongings, and they might snore. <laughs> Snoring. Yeah. Well, another positive is that it's kind of a, a built-in social network. Yeah. You are with like-minded people that are wanting to travel around the world. And hostels are often also placed right in the middle of things or right near where you want to be. Exactly. Uh, they're often in urban spaces in the middle of town, which is great. When you're choosing a hostel to stay in, check out the ratings on the website that you're looking on. Make sure it has a high safety rating and location should be should be high as well because some hostels aren't located so so close to the city. Yeah, that's true. So make sure it has a high location rating and cleanliness is also important. However, the fun rating, well, in my opinion, fun usually means raucousness. And so a low rating is actually what I'm looking for. <laughs> well, when you say low, you don't want it to be personality-less, right? No, no, no. But, but you're but looking I mean, for... for... I'm looking something for 90, below 90%. That's right. I'm looking for 90 plus for the other ones. And something around 60 is fine. <laughs> for fun. Smooth. Uh, you can find ratings like these on all of the uh, the major hostel booking websites and also at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash hostels, which uh, if you book through there, we get a small commission. So yeah, that'd be great. We always appreciate people looking for and booking their hostels and hotels on there. Well, we just mentioned that hostels are great for meeting people. And if you don't really want the negative aspects of a a dorm room, i.e. sharing with people and not being able to sleep, but you do want the community feeling, then a really good option is choosing a private room in in a hostel. And that's one that we use quite often because it means you get the privacy of your own room, but you get all the benefits that a hostel has to offer, a kitchen, the community feeling, maybe a book exchange that you don't usually get at a, at a hotel. Oh, definitely not. No. Normally, I'd prefer to have a private room in a hostel than to have a room in a hotel, simply because I like that kind of social element. I like being able to go to the hostel bar or the hostel common room Mm -hmm. and sit down and have a drink and talk with people and just kind of chill out um, and be with other travelers. I really like that. Yeah, and sometimes you can get one with an ensuite bathroom, or if you're feeling a bit like you need more of a budget option, then there are often sometimes ones that share a bathroom, so you're just using the, the hostel facilities. 
Well, something else to think about is um, the girls-only dorms that uh, a lot of solo female travellers or small groups of female travellers like to use. Mm -hmm. Uh, These can range from anything from one room that's set aside for girls-only to entire floors in some hostels, which are sometimes sponsored by local cosmetics or toiletries companies. And so you get little kind of gift packs and things like that. That's what um, some of the base hostels here in um, kind of Asia Pacific, I think, they yeah, are Yeah, Melbourne now. had a good one, didn't they? Yeah, they're definitely in Australia and New Zealand. Um, they're sometimes called the McDonald's of hostels. Um, <laughs> but that kind of buying power also means that they've got these uh, these nice girls-only floors that uh, have different key codes to the rest of the building and such like. Yeah, and that could be a good alternative to a private room if you're if you're a solo female traveller. Yeah, if, if that's something you're concerned about. The other thing you can do is if you're a group, if there's four of you, you might be able to book out a whole dorm room. So you get dorm prices but a private room. And we've done that before. It worked out really well mm. because it was so much cheaper and we were sharing only with people we knew. There were four of us. And it... You know, it was private. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Uh, well, then, sometimes a budget hotel can actually be cheaper than a hostel if you're traveling as a couple or a small group. And uh, that's pretty incredible to my mind. I know, mind. it's weird, isn't it? But what I know what a lot of people are thinking, they're imagining like the, the Bates Motel, the <laughs> movie Psycho. No, no, or, they're just very <laughs> basic, basic, kind of almost plastic, not very interesting hotels like uh, Hotel Formule One in Etap. Um There was another one when we were traveling around Europe that was that was similar, just this, the very, very low-level basic brand. But it doesn't have a lot of personality. It's basically just a place to stay. You usually get an ensuite bathroom. Uh, breakfast isn't usually included. And quite often the reception area isn't manned. So you get sent an access code. You're paying for everything by credit card. You just show up, enter your code, and enter. Mm. Or if there is uh, a reception area, it might only be open during the day. Uh, so you don't get that 24-hour concierge and help service that you'd normally expect from a hotel. Yeah. Um, and there's also kind of the, I'm trying to think of what they call, like the kind of pod sleeping arrangements oh, yeah. mm-hmm. that are, are popular in Japan and are beginning to pop up in other places in the world where you're paying for a, a small cabin to sleep in mm-hmm. and... Um, yeah, it's the, kind of the ultimate in budget hotels. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just make sure that you read about where you're going to be staying. Check out the location mm. because some of these hotels aren't located in the center of town. They could be quite far away. Um, although they might be near the airport, like a Hotel Formula One recently opened near Auckland Airport. Although the one that was in the city closed down, so maybe that's what happened. They just transferred it. I don't know. So make sure you check the location and also check out what are the oddities of it. Like, do you have to check in before a certain time? What's included? Is breakfast included or not? And, uh, yeah, make sure you know what you're getting yourself into. Indeed. Um, Another form of cheap hotel is the motel or the motorway hotel. Um, They've got kind of a seedy reputation, and motels really change from place to place. Yeah. Like in New Zealand, Australia, North America, a motel is just that, a a motorway hotel. It's designed for motorists um, who pull off the motorway, sleep for the night, get up and move on. Yeah, it's not usually um, in the city centre. It's usually a drive into town. Yeah, that's right. And therefore, it's not often that great for independent travellers that are uh, making their way around by public transport. 
but we thought we'd mention it. Yeah. Um, however, motels can have uh, other more decidedly seedy meanings. Yeah, we've recently discovered this in Brazil and in Argentina and most of South America, it seems. A motel isn't just a motor hotel. It's got the meaning sex hotel. It's where you go to have sex. So if you want, don't want your parents to know what you're up to, that's where you go. Yeah. And that's pretty it's, much uh, all they're used for. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a fair central um, kind of pay-by-the-hour motels. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're speaking Spanish and the term motel comes up, you, well... You it know, means something you, different. You know what you're getting into now. Yeah. Um, we should we should move on and move up market. Well, so. before we move on, let's talk about holiday parks, because holiday parks often have cabins, which are a similar kind of yeah. idea to a motel. Um there's, they might have cabins or private rooms, which are similar features to a motel room. Or, of course, you can tent as well. But, um, yeah, we stayed in holiday parks. Remember that time we were traveling around the South Island with your parents? And we rented a... It was kind of a suite. It was like its own little apartment. Mm. It had two bedrooms and a bathroom in it, like a lounge and a kitchen. It was really good. Oh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't there on the South Island. It was in Australia. It was in Australia, yeah. Yeah. And we could use the uh, barbecue facilities and the pool and everything. So it was like staying in a motel, but it was a lot cheaper. And it um, it had all the facilities we needed. Yeah, that was all good. That's the other benefit of a motel is that usually you have kitchen facilities. Yeah, unlike a hotel. Yeah. Well, um, I'm thinking next kind of your your pension, your bed and breakfast kind of guest house kind of affair, whatever you call it. They're kind of the same level of of accommodation. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, it's a lot smaller than your standard hotel. You might be boarding in a private house. They've just got maybe three or four bedrooms available. Or it might be a place with up to 20 bedrooms available that's just basically a small hotel. Uh, you usually have a private bathroom, but not always. It really depends. We used to stay in Canterbury quite a lot in England. And sometimes we had a room with a private bathroom and sometimes we were kind of... It was three-level old Victorian house. And uh, upstairs on the third level was obviously where the servants used to live. And there were these just, I think, three tiny be- bedrooms just big enough for a double bed and they all shared the one bathroom which was fine you know it was really kind of kind of cute and they had tea and coffee facilities and everything and that's where we usually stayed when we were there yeah yeah that was that was classic i think um yeah staying in bed and breakfast around britain is certainly a slice of unique hoteliers (laughs) yeah we've had some great experiences some great and interesting um Faulty Towers has nothing on real life when you're travelling around countryside Britain. I remember that time we were driving to Wales from Stansted Airport and we, we needed to stay somewhere. Mm. And so we just pulled off the motorway and drove down the main street and saw a pub that had rooms to let or something. So we stayed there. And uh, while we were having a drink in the bar before going to bed, someone said, so what are you doing in a certain name of town here? And we're like, oh, is that the name of the town we're in? <laughs> yeah, it was so memorable, wasn't it? <laughs> I still don't know. So we went upstairs and went to sleep and we could still hear the thump, thump, thump of the music below. It yeah. was an experience. <laughs> it sure was. sure was. Um, yeah, as I was saying, the interesting thing I think about B&Bs and, and guest houses is that the owner is often your host. And so there's really no standardization it could be a wonderful boutique experience where you kind of pampered a little bit uh-huh. or it could be a you know you're on your own there's toast marmalade and fried eggs that you know serve between 8 a.m and 9 a.m yeah yeah it's really interesting the best bed and breakfast experience that we've ever had i'd have to say was that time in the black forest when we were staying in this 
this little tiny bed and breakfast and there weren't enough room for all of us so so it was me and Craig dad and my brother and my sister and her husband so Anna and Matt had to go and find somewhere else and the four the rest of us were staying at this place and we took our bags in and put them in the room and the uh, the lady yelled at us for putting our bed our bags on the bed she's like no the bed is not for bags and she had like a little I don't know like a stand to put the bags on so it was fine so we were a bit scared of her and the next morning we went down to breakfast she had this kind of a downstairs area that had a huge window overlooking a garden and the black forest just behind and uh, I looked down and there was like a little rabbit eating the grass and and birds tweeting and a little red squirrel came along and was chewing a nut and then a black squirrel and they were kind of like talking to each other it just felt like it was something out of a Disney movie (laughs) so I said to her so when does the deer come and she goes oh yeah sometimes in the evenings (laughs) (laughs) and I was trying to be sarcastic but it totally failed because it actually was a Disney movie Smooth. Well, it's the right kind of countryside for it. It knows what you want. Um, Something that we tried recently for the first time is a vacation rental. And if you're traveling with a group of people and plan to stay somewhere for a while, I'm thinking like three nights or more is worth considering. Definitely a week or more. A week or more, yeah. Um, Consider renting an entire house or an apartment um, for the duration of your stay. Yeah, you may have to pay per person. Or um, it might be for the apartment. It really depends. But usually you pay one price regardless of how many people are staying, which can be very economical if you've got a large group. Yeah, we did this with Rumorama in Buenos Aires. We had two different apartments, actually, um, because of a bit of a a malfunction in my ability to book things. (laughs) But uh, we really enjoyed it. Uh, you can find more about that by searching for Rumorama on Indie Travel Podcast and read our notes and the full experience. But yeah, if, if there's a couple of you or a group of you traveling together, it's really worth looking into. You can save good money on uh, compared with a hostel or get a much more personal experience for the same price. Yeah, and they're quite comfortable. I mean, I thought it was a really good setup. Oh, the, the two places we stayed were both excellent. Yeah. yeah. Similarly, if you're heading out on holiday with your family to one destination and you'll be staying there for a week or more, it might be worth looking into swapping houses with someone who lives in that destination. So a house swap situation. Um, you live in their house and they live in your house. And I'm pretty sure there are other, you know, you could probably do like a triangular one. So you go <laughs> I don't know how it works. You but, always um, want to complicate things, don't you? I could do that. But this kind of holiday was uh, made famous by Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz in the holiday movie. It's called The Holiday and of course, that all turned out well because they both met a wonderful love interest and lived happily ever after, mm. which I'm sure is exactly what will happen to you too. Yeah, try and get that written into your uh, your housing contract. <laughs> That'd be good. Well, finally, last but not least, is the hotel or the resort or the cruise ship. But, you know, the most expensive option, really. Yeah, it's certainly not a budget option, although with a good deal, it could be. Um, start by looking at last-minute websites like lastminute.com or whatif.com, and uh, you might be able to score yourself a great deal. We but had a good one through booking.com recently. Yeah, we that did. That was really good. And, um, yeah, that was in Valencia. Yeah, when all of the hostels were hiking up their prices because of La Tomatina, some of the hotels hadn't filled up their, their rooms, and they realized that they could cut into this market by dropping the prices. And so we actually found a much better deal. We were staying in a hostel for the two days before La Tomatina, they out their prices for the two days of the festival, and uh, we found a hotel for a little bit cheaper and yeah. uh, with better facilities. So we moved there. Yep, we did get a free bottle of bubbly at the hostel and not at the five-star hotel, though. This is true. So. We did get free coffee at the 
at the hotel mm, and they had true. a pool. Yeah, pool was good. Yeah. And everyone in the audience now understands Linda's idea of time better when she said just recently, when it was about <laughs> a year or 18 months ago, we were there. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth. I think hotels and resorts as well are, well, for me, they're kind of a nice break. I kind of can do them for a couple of days, but I really miss the the people and the experiential side of things that you get in hostels. I find hotels are kind of designed to keep you separate from everyone else. Yeah, definitely. So you don't get that kind of interesting social phenomenon that mm-hmm. I think about when I think about traveling. Yeah. I mean, if you're couch surfing um, or staying with friends or family... There's always people. You're meeting people that are local. If you're staying in hostels, you're meeting other travelers that are doing interesting things that you can learn from and go and experience a place with. But if you're staying in a hotel or staying in a resort, you're often segregated from the other travelers. And I find that quite hard. I mean, even if there's a minibar, that's... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the look I just got. Yeah, my thing with hotels is that I have higher expectations of them because because I'm paying more, I expect more from them and they very rarely actually meet those expectations. Mm. Well, wherever you choose to sleep, make sure you take advantage of whatever your accommodation has to offer. Uh, Use the spa, hang out in the lounge, go swim in the pool. Um, Make sure you enjoy yourself because that's really the point, right? Yeah, totally. Well, if you want to meet other travellers or if you have questions about what we've talked about today or about anything to do with travel, make sure to come to IndieTravelPodcast.com slash forums and get your free community account and join in the conversation. You can help the Indie Travel Podcast stay travelling by booking through us. So visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights slash hostels slash tours slash insurance and especially for today slash accommodation when you're booking your travel (laughs) online. Uh, there's also travel deals updating every day at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash deals. We've also got a library of books to share at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash books. So if you want to know about traveling more or traveling well, or traveling safely or whatever, head over there. Yeah, there's much more on the way. We've uh, got things, got contracts sorted out for an Auckland guidebook, a Las Vegas guidebook, a Buenos Aires guidebook coming out this year. Very exciting. As well as stuff on career breaks and uh, an update on the art of solo travel. All sorts of good stuff. It's definitely going to be a busy year. Well, for some non-monetary ways of helping us out, tell your friends about Indie Travel Podcast. Invite them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Indie Travel or leave a five-star review for us on iTunes. I think that's pretty much us for this week. We've talked quite a lot already. So until next week, travel well.